According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Before we begin, I want to ask if you would be willing to donate to help us spread hope in 2024. Our end of the year giving campaign will go towards our book drive and give you the opportunity to provide our Finding Hope book to a new member that walks through the doors of Finding Hope, as well as pave the way for new meetings to begin and continued ongoing support for current meetings. If you have been impacted by the Finding Hope book, or a meeting, I would encourage you to give to this year's Finding Hope Book Drive campaign. We will put a link in the show notes today. But today, I have not just one, but two very special guests joining me. We have Miss Rhonda Kemp from Derby, Kansas, and Tara Winter from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Welcome, Rhonda and Tara. Rhonda, I met you probably about three to four years ago, and um, then I quickly learned we had a connection beyond this ministry. You actually live in Derby, Kansas, which is my hometown, so I always love when I can find people in Derby. You don't hear that very often. And then later found out, I was like, that last name sounds familiar. And later I learned that your stepdaughter is Jenna, and I had her on the podcast not too long ago, and she talked about how you played a pivotal role in her getting into our Hope is Alive program and into recovery. So thank you so much for that. And then Tara, we connected probably a little bit over a year ago um, at one of our Hope After Lost retreats. So how are you ladies doing? Rhonda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm just glad to be on your podcast, but um, I'm feeling good and had our Christmas party last night for Finding Hope. So we're uh, we're doing well here in Derby. Well, great. And what about you, Tara? How's North Carolina? It's it's good. Um, I'm doing the best I can. I'm still pretty fresh um, into my loss. So this is our second Christmas without my son, Tyler. So well, we'll get into your stories here um, and let people know how you got connected and um, how you are getting through these times. So Rhonda, let's start with you. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you got connected to this ministry? 
I lost my daughter, Lacey. Uh, she was 30 years old and she died a little over nine years ago to an opioid overdose. And um, it was devastating, of course, and still is. Uh, she struggled uh, in her mid-20s until, you know, she passed with addiction. Uh, she was introduced to opioids at 17 after two knee surgeries in high school. And I think that imprinted there in her brain and then later in life, she used those, those drugs. And, um, when she died, she had uh, gone to a doctor for clonopin to sleep. She was having trouble sleeping yeah. and having some medical issues from the addiction and the opioids and the wear and tear on her body. So she actually had, uh, kidney stones. And the day before she passed, I was with her in the hospital and, uh, she went home with Percocet and, uh, prescriptions from two other doctors that I didn't know about. And uh, that evening, she took too many with the clonopin and passed away. So the next morning, uh, I got the call and went to her apartment. And um, the, the part of the story that uh, is important to me now, after all these years to tell, uh, as I was standing in the, in the grass waiting to get into her apartment in her yard, um, I heard very clearly from God that uh, his words were be in agreement with me. And I had never heard that before. And those words I knew came directly from him for me to be able to cope with having to give her up. And uh, it stuck with me, the be in agreement with me. That was him telling me he was there with me. I wasn't going to go through this alone. And uh, like any parent knows, losing a child, there's just really nothing worse that you can experience. And um, she was my best friend. She was a great daughter. She was a wonderful sister and just, she can't be replaced. So, you know, the, the loss is horrific. And, uh, but those words, you know, they gave me hope. They got me through every minute. Um, I knew she was with God and I knew she was safe and happy and, uh, it took a long time. Like Tara said, you know, the, the years go by and it's just inch by inch that you, you struggle and the pain is real. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental. Um, it took me a long time too, but luckily God was always there and I had to just get very, uh, close to him, crawl up in his lap, you know, in, in a sort of sense to, to wake up and, and figure out how he's going to get through to the next day. So about four years into my grief, I did it by myself. I didn't have any friends to talk to about it. I, I mean, I have a wonderful husband and family, but it, you know, it's just, it's different when you have someone like Tara to talk to about uh, what this is like for, for especially a mom or a dad. And, um, I was invited to go to a parents helping parents meeting, uh, through a friend. And it was the first meeting I'd ever been to. And I sat down and Chris Darrow was right beside me and her husband, Mike. So, uh, after the meeting, she came out to my car and we just connected. She was pretty fresh in her loss of her daughter, Lexi. And, um, I was more of a veteran. So, you know, I kind of helped her that night, just kind of dealing with what she was feeling. And we've been close, dear friends ever since. And that's probably been four years ago. So she introduced me to Hope is Alive, Finding Hope. And uh, 
I've just gained so many wonderful friends from it. And, um, and God told me I'd have a purpose in Lacey's loss because I didn't want her life to be meaningless. I wanted, I wanted to do something that would honor her and the be in agreement with me was, I think that message that there's going to be a purpose for you. And, you know, when you're crushed in it, you, uh, you can understand, you can, you can be that important person for someone else, even if it's just listening to their story and letting them talk. And so hope is alive has given me a lot of uh, direction and I'm very grateful for it. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing that and your transparency and all of that. And I love that you said, be in agreement with me. I can crawl up in God's lap. How many times do we just need to do that and just let him comfort us in no matter what we're going through and to give him the opportunity to do that. So thank you for sharing that. And Tara, how did you get connected to our ministry? Well, I got connected because I lost my son, Tyler. He was 26. Um, August 18th, he left this world the 17th, but I found out on the 18th, um, 2022. And I had actually just gone to a Finding Hope meeting the week before, just found out about it. And I had only gone to one meeting and then we lost him the next week. And um, I reached out to the Finding Hope leaders and let them know that I would not be coming anymore because I no longer had an addict that was alive. And that's when they let me know about Hope After Loss. And it just happened to be that you guys were doing a retreat in October. And I really wasn't sure whether, you know, I should come or not. I wasn't sure if it was too soon. But really, from the get-go, like, I just knew I needed all the help I could get. And so I just felt like it was an God was like a gift from him of an opportunity to, um, get help. And so I was, I did it. So my husband and I flew out from North Carolina and I was so glad that I did. Yeah. Well, and that's something that stood out to me about you is the bravery of, I just lost my son. I just got connected to this. I'm going to fly all the way from North Carolina to Tulsa, Oklahoma. You may have never even heard of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, but there's something you knew that you needed to get connected to. And I think that's what's special about these community. Rhonda, you mentioned it a little bit about connecting with Chris, you know, and being able to have that common. And that's what we talk about, like that community understanding, you know, other parents have lost children, but losing a child from the impact of addiction is different. You know, we hear about the stigma that addiction brings and all of that. And I've heard, you know, it's it, people don't understand. They judge my child. They judge this person that they had a choice. But as you guys know, and a lot of our listeners, like this is a disease and this disease you know, got them. And so the grieving is a little bit different. And, but we also know that there's so much more than their disease that, you know, Rhonda, you talked about being the best friend and um, Tara, something that stood out the very first time I saw a picture of Tyler is his smile. Like just that smile, you know, it really just stood out to me in all of that. 
And so you guys connected in 2022 at our retreat. And, you know, from there, you guys formed a friendship. Rhonda's in Kansas. Tara's in North Carolina. And so um, you guys just connected and are still connected. And I love that. And Rhonda, you talked about you knew when God gave you those words, be in agreement with me, that there's going to be a purpose. And here you are in your purpose. And you're leading not only Hope After Loss Group there in Kansas and on Zoom. So if you're listening and you need want know someone or need to get connected, she leads one on Zoom. You don't have to be in person. And also a Finding Hope group there in Derby. And so you're using it. And then Tara has listened to God's calling as well and now leads our first Hope After Loss group in North Carolina. And what an incredible gift it is to those communities for you guys listening to God and being obedient to his purpose through all of this. So I would love for you guys both um, to kind of discuss gratitude as it relates to your grief journey. Sometimes, you know, you think, how can I, people might think on the outside, like, how can you be grateful? How through all of this? But I want you guys to kind of just talk through it. We'll start with Rhonda. And so Rhonda, um, what can you talk about a little bit about gratitude um, through your grief journey? It was at a Finding Hope retreat. Uh, I guess it would be just two years ago that I really started feeling like I could be grateful. And it just, it, mm-hmm. I was feeling it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we're so lucky we have this and we're so grateful. And um, I didn't feel it. You know, I didn't feel happy that I was living my life without my daughter, but, um, God really put on my heart that at least I had her, you know, she was so important in my life and I had her at a time I needed to, uh, change my life. And, uh, she kind of rescued me really as, as being my first child. And, um, I just felt like, what if I'd have never had her? And what if I'd have never experienced 30 years of being her mom and what it, what a, a wonderful thing that was. And, and I started feeling grateful and, and that just started healing me in a different way. And so I think uh, not everybody's going to feel that way and it's going to come, you know, whenever, whenever it comes because our journeys are different, but I just like to ask people if they uh, have something to be grateful for and get that thought in their mind because uh, I also have two sons and a husband and, you know, I have, have other things to be grateful for, but it's just important. It's an important piece of, of healing. What about you, Tara? What is, when was one of the first times after losing Tyler that you were able to experience feeling of deep gratitude? Um, Really the first day, we literally just moved because we're military and we just got our house signed papers on the 17th um, to move in this house. And the movers were coming on the 18th. And I, and that's when I got the news at five o'clock in the morning and movers were pulling up at my house at eight o'clock in the morning to drop all our stuff off. <laughs> and a church that we went to in Virginia beach some of my friends from there, I called and told them, and they drove up that same day. One had lost her son about 15 years ago, and 
another was a military wife and mom and they came and one ministered to me and the other one was just unpacking all our stuff and putting it up. And I just knew like right there that God was not, you know, that he was in it and he was with us in it and he's gone and paved a way before us and just like everything lined up. Like, and then someone told me about a grief share group and I looked one up and there was one that was starting the following week, 15 minutes from our house. And we didn't have a church family. We, we just moved here, you know, and we got connected in that. And no one could believe we we're going to grief share group after 30. I mean, it was 13 days was my first meeting. But I just knew I needed all the help I could get. I needed God. And like Rhonda said, it was like I just I, I picture myself as like a two year old just grabbing hold of his leg and holding on, just crying and not wanting to let go because I was so afraid. I didn't want to lose my faith. I wanted to just hold on to him for everything. And he was just providing and same with the hope after loss retreat. You know, I just felt like it was another thing. And when we went, I, I cried, not tears of sadness, but tears of joy because even though the grief share group is really good and I really think it's a really good program, it is different when you lose someone to addiction. There's just a whole different, especially if you went down this addiction road. I mean, we were on this addiction road with my son for 12 years, an emotional roller coaster. Um, but I found gratitude in that too, because Tyler, like he was my first, he saved me too. I was um, an addict as well. Um, and he saved me to be a better person. And then he saved me again um, with his addiction. Because when he started going down that road of addiction is when I found God. And it made me lean into him those 12 years of just really leaning into him, getting to know him. And because I had that strong foundation, when he took him home, I was able to stand firm on that. And so I was very grateful um, for all of it because I wouldn't know God. And I wouldn't have the foundation and the people that he has just surrounded me with. Because um, the Hope After Loss Retreat is just like, it's finally, like I saw hope. It's when I first found hope. Is that the Hope After Loss Retreat. Because there are so many other people who got it, who've been there, who are in different seasons than I am. And I could see a light, you know. And so I was just very grateful for all that. That's so good. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. And just no matter where we are going through in life, you know, whether it's grief, maybe it's our loved one is maybe out there actively using, or it might be something else. I heard something the other day on the radio. We don't know what everyone's carrying, right? Everyone, you know, you go into the store or whatever, and we don't know what they're carrying. But for our own healing, we can start with that gratitude, looking to see what are we grateful for? What has God done? Looking back at, you know, Tara, you're talking about like through his addiction, you found that relationship with God. Like, wow. You know, nobody once would ever ask for someone to be an addict or an alcoholic, but you found that from with God. You found God through that. So thank you. I was going to say like Tyler always felt so much guilt and shame for his addiction and always felt bad of what it caused me. But I told him that I, it was because of him and his addiction is what brought me to know Jesus and how, you know, I have my faith in God because of him. And he was just, you know, that he was relieved to hear that, you know? 
Yeah. And I think that's something else to remind listeners. Take the opportunity to share those things with your loved ones. Like, don't hold it inside, but share that with them, you know, Um, because I'm sure, like you said, you know, a lot of them carry that shame and stuff and that guilt. But you sharing that probably gave him hope as well. And some peace. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how has gratitude changed your guys's grief journeys, if at all? Uh, you know, with, with me, um, you're not going to feel the same all the time. You know, you're going to have highs and lows and highs and lows and, you know, hour by hour, it can change in grief. But like Tara said, when you're dealing with a loss of addiction or overdose, and then people are so uncomfortable with that subject, and then they're uncomfortable, you know, coming up to you when you're hurting and knowing what to say. Because just don't deal well with loss, and I don't think we know what to do. So you end up very isolated and waking up with a purpose. And, you know, one of the things I got out of our retreat two years ago with Hope After Loss was uh, Denise spoke, and she said, you have to get up, dress up, and show up. And that just, you know, I was not doing that. I was not getting up and dressing up and showing up. I was dragging myself around. And if I got out of the house by two o'clock, it was like a victory lap for me. But um, God does not make us to be isolated. He doesn't create us to uh, just hide away and be sad and wallow. And and you're going to have to do that. But you also need to let God use your pain. And I don't know who wrote it, but I just read something about, you know, your calling is going to crush you. And if you're called to minister to the brokenhearted, you're going to have to feel the brokenheartedness. And if if that's your ministry and you don't have that experience, then you're not going to be very effective. So you take away things from this. You know, it's it's the most horrible loss you can experience. But you also there's uh, some kind of a gift in it. You know, it's like it's surprising almost after several years of where I've been. You just you have this whole um revelation that God is mending you and cha- and bringing you to a place that he's been trying to get you to maybe for a long time. But because you're paying attention and you're holding his hand and you're depending on him for every step, you start uh, going forward and seeing really clearly who he is. And uh, you don't waste as much time. You lose a child, you realize you've wasted a lot of time. There's a lot of things you should have said, done, uh, you just don't want to waste any more time. So uh, there's a takeaway from from the loss. And, and that's something you can always be grateful for, that you're evolving. When you're having a hard day, what is the best way for you guys to redirect your thought pattern as well as your mood? Um, for me, uh, sometimes I let myself be in it. Um, I think it's an opportunity to go through the pictures go through, you know, things that are hard um, and let yourself feel it. I don't think we should always just, you know, just diminish it Um, because the only way to really work through it is to work through it. Um, So I allow myself to have a moment and then I will either get in his word, listen to worship music, because that really, truly always (laughs) 
I'm telling you, you can't, I mean, you can cry and worship, but they'll turn to tears of joy because of just how, you know, great he truly is and just how much he loves us. And I also like to go outside um, for walks and just get outside with the sun and the fresh air and nature just always um, changes my mood. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with me. You know, I, I had to be outside being in nature, you know, when Lacey passed in August, I was outside all the time, just kind of sinking into the ground. You know, it felt like that was where I was supposed to be. And, and, uh, God just shows up and, and it's amazing really how much he is there for us. And we, he's always doing that, but we don't, we don't hear it and see it and feel it until we are desperate to. And in my, in my experience, um, I think music is a big part of it too. And, uh, and getting outside of your own head, you know, if you stay in your own thoughts, uh, it can be very destructive. So, cause I know with myself and other people I've talked to, there's a lot of guilt when your child passes away, you feel like you did it, you caused it, you know, you could have saved them, you should have saved them. And, and if you stay in that thought pattern, very, very hard to uh, move forward. So getting out of your own head, helping other people, uh, just trying to find some peace through meditation, yoga. You know, I do yoga. I try to exercise, take walks. There's there's different tools for, for that. And I think Tara's kind of covered a lot of the same things I do. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. And so how, as we're approaching Christmas, not too far from now, how um, do you honor your loved ones? So how do you honor Lacey and how do you honor Tyler through the Christmas season? Um, Honoring Tyler, we do um, an angel tree. We'll adopt somebody, a family or a child in his name. And then this year, I'm honoring him by celebrating Christmas. Um, I couldn't do it last year. I just had, didn't have it in me. It was only four months, and I just couldn't even. And Christmas was his absolute favorite. Um, he loved everything about it. And um, even though it's still hard, um, I have a 17-year-old who's still in the home, and he wants Christmas, and I want him to have Christmas, and I want to still make memories. And because, like Rhonda said, you know – Time is short and it's not guaranteed. And so I don't want to miss any opportunity to live life. And so I'm, that's what we're doing. Uh, you can see the tree behind me is the Lacey tree. Uh, we, I set that up the first Christmas that she was gone. And I asked all of her friends to send ornaments and her favorite movies, her favorite TV shows. It, she loved friends. So we have all the friends ornaments on there and, and we just add to it, you know, as we find things that remind us of her. So that's our Lacey tree. And um, we try to have fun because she was the most fun person you've ever met. I mean, she, and I hear this from all the moms. It, we just have kids that were funny and full of life and, um, you know, that was one thing after she passed. I just, if she could talk to me from heaven, I know she would say, don't, don't wallow. Don't feel sad. You know, I'm, I'm doing great. So just live your life as best you can. And my sons have her sense of humor. So we watch Christmas vacation, her favorite Christmas movie. 
Um, we always laugh about her. She could do all the voices, you know, and uh, we just try to remember her and her sense of humor and fun. And and we've done different things through the years, but that's the main thing. So what is your guys' favorite memory of with from Christmas with them? Um, with Tyler, it was probably when he was younger. It was I was a single mom for until he was 14 and I, uh, my kids are 10 years apart and this was Gage's first Christmas. So he was like six months old and Gage, Tyler was about to be 12 and we never had cable and he had asked Santa Claus for cable. And I was like, how am I going to do this? Because like, you know, I didn't want him to have it before Christmas. And so I had like Santa write a letter how he was getting cable, but it wouldn't be until this day when it would come on. So it was like in an envelope, whatever. And we always wore like Santa Claus hats and stuff when we open up presents. And I have this picture of him, like when he opened up that and found out he was getting cable, (laughs) he was like, yeah. I still have the pictures, my favorite pictures. I mean, the kid was so stoked for Cable. It was just, it was so funny. It just, he was he was a hoot and he definitely was our jokester and always wanted to make everybody laugh. And he was the life of, you can't be mad at him, but so yeah. I love that, like Cable. Like, cable. who would have thought? <laughs> That's awesome. What about Lacey? I don't have any one particular thing, but when she was, she was the leader of the pack because she had two younger brothers and she would always get up like in the middle of the night when they were little kids and she'd lead them all downstairs or wherever the Christmas tree was. And she would, one, I know a couple of times they would open the presents while we're asleep, try to wrap them back up and then sit there in front of the tree like they hadn't done that. That happened several times. And she loved stockings up until she was... Well, until she was 29, her last Christmas, she, the stocking was like, she was four. It just, it, you had to have a stocking full of gifts for her. And so I've never been able to hang my stocking since she's, she's passed because that was her favorite, the little stocking gifts. And she was just ornery and um, could never wait till Christmas morning. She always pulled some kind of trick to find out what she got under the tree. <laughs> so little criminal, really. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope you guys can continue to share those memories um, with others and what a gift that is to lean on those. And I love like that's one of my favorite things is hearing the stories, um, the funny stories. Uh, At Halloween, we had people posting pictures of their loved ones, favorite Halloween costumes and all of that. So it was lots of fun. So before we wrap up, I want to give you guys an opportunity because a lot of our listeners on here... um, might still have someone in active addiction or in recovery. And so what would you share with them if they were listening? What advice would you share? Don't give up hope. Continue to lean into the Lord. And I would also get involved in a support group. I really highly encourage that because you can, it can be so isolating and you can feel like you're so alone in it and like no one else is going through it or no one else understands. But when you get like the finding hope group, you realize like you're not the only one and you can just, people can come alongside each other. And I think that's so important to have, you know, not just that support, but also by like-minded people who believe in Jesus and God and can just encourage you and be praying alongside of you with that. And just love your, continue to love your, you know, your loved one um, 
without enabling, but just to let them know how much you love them, you know. So true. That That's really my one thing when I talk to parents is you see so much of the bad stuff in addiction. You know, uh, they'll steal from you. They'll lie to you. They'll, they'll cover up everything they're doing. And uh, they're heavy in shame all the time. You know, they don't want to be addicts. And when you're living through that chaos, you just forget who your child is and was. And, and it's hard to see them, you know, at the 12, 13 year old age when they were just pure and fun and delightful. And um, so as soon as Lacey passed, she became in my mind, like the 12 year old girl, I didn't see the, the chaos of the addiction and the messiness of it and trying to, to work through, uh, helping her and struggling. So I just, I tell parents, love them completely, 100%, hug them, tell them how special they are to you. Even if they're high, you know, take them by the shoulders, give them that big long hug and just say, I really cherish you because that's what you're going to want to do if, if uh, you don't have that chance don't wallow in the actions of addiction. Just appreciate who they are and will be if they become 100% what what we hope they will. And that's sober. So uh, just appreciate them. That's so good. And and Rhonda, before I, I, you guys know, I always end my podcast with a challenge. But before I do that, I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit more about what you're doing and what you have done over these last nine years and what God is calling you to do with purpose from being in agreement with me. He just keeps pressing me to do things that are uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I wrote a journal uh really through my phone, just talking to Lacey the first couple of years. And it was just interaction with her back and forth. And so that became an interactive journal that I wrote. And um, now I want to do one for God winks. And that's just going to sh- let people share how God works through your loss and those little God winks that we get, which are just special messages from your loved one and God. And you feel like it came right from heaven. So I'm working on that. And then uh, improving our finding hope groups and trying to be a better leader. Um, you know, it's all learning. It's all just showing up. And most of the time I don't want to do it. <laughs> I just really don't, but I, I know God wants me to do it. So I just always, I show up and, uh, it's amazing how he'll just, he'll fill in the blanks. And this coming year, I want to start a podcast, um, Hidden Treasures and Loss, I think is what it'll be. It's going to develop, but I want to just talk to people that are feeling that heavy loss and devastation and how they're coping with it and how God is showing them, you know, each day to move forward. And uh, I hope to be a good podcast person. Well, I'm so excited. And, you know, I know that journal, and we'll link all of your your journal and stuff in um, the show notes too, if someone's listening, wants to get that. And so it is, I know people love getting those journals, writing down every memory of their loved ones. Um, I keep a couple in my office so that I can always mail them out or do what I need to do. So thank you. And I look forward to um, sharing more about your podcast and hearing your podcast um, come 2024 and maybe having you back on here again to share more about that. 
But like I said, I always like to end my podcast with a challenge. And today I wrote down four different challenges just from you beautiful ladies sharing your hearts today. And the first one is gratitude. To focus on gratitude this Christmas season. I've talked a lot at my Finding Hope groups. I was on a Zoom meeting last night, Finding Hope Zoom, and just talking about being still in God's presence and looking for that gratitude. What are we grateful for today? What is that blessing right in front of us that we might miss when we're not focused on that? But also when you're in the middle of that is to, you know, Rhonda said, you know, have God hold her. And Tara talked about curling up and feeling God's comfort. So allowing him to comfort you through that. And Tara also mentioned to allow yourself to work through those feelings to it's okay to have those feelings and to work through it. I love what you said, Tara, about like when you have those feelings, that's when you pick up the pictures, you go back through those. And so I loved hearing that. And then finally, my last challenge is to love if you still have someone in active addiction is to love them and tell them that you're proud of them tell them that you care about them give them making sure you are always sharing that with them so thank you guys so much for joining me this week you can learn more about finding hope at findinghope.today and hope after loss at hopeafterloss.today but before you go i would love for you to give us a five-star review share this on social media and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode and don't forget to spread hope in 2024 and give to our end of the year campaign Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guests, Ms. Rhonda Kemp and Tara Winter, in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. And there is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.